Shirley is the story of a uh, of an unnamed protagonist uh, who was a woman in her 30s who when we meet her it's sort of at the end of Melbourne's sixth lockdown um, yep. and she's kind of coming out of that crawling out of that into what will become the Omicron summer and she's thinking about these things that happened in her apartment block in her life kind of in that that weird summer between the bushfires and the first lockdown. So she's kind of thinking back a couple of years, a couple of years later and thinking, you know, these. she had this kind of strange woman move in underneath, underneath her apartment uh, who has these mysterious links to her, to her past and other bits of her life. And she was a pregnant woman named Frankie. Uh, she had her boyfriend who lived in the same apartment block as her and they sort of break up at the very, very start of the book. And all of these kind of kind of events and characters kind of spiral in that bizarre few months, again, kind of between the bushfires and the start of the pandemic oh. that make her kind of reconsider her past. So there's like a few layers of thinking and retrospection, and she's just kind of trying to make sense of it all. And that's kind of the story of the book. Okay. Well, you mentioned things like the bushfires, COVID, yeah. lockdowns. Is there a specific reason you chose to base your book in that time frame? Yes. I I mean, so weirdly, this book, Shirley, I'd been working on for a few years before, before that summer. Um, and I knew that I wanted it to be about this protagonist. And I knew I wanted it to be about some other stuff in her life, um, particularly a relationship with her mother. She has this kind of this famous mother who um, who lives overseas uh, and works overseas. She's like a f- food personality. So I had sort of like the basic outlines of the plot, but it was just a mess. Like I'd written this plot that was like spinning my wheels and I didn't really know what I was doing with it. And I thought, okay, if I like peg it to this summer coming up okay. and just write it over this three months, then that will be really good and it will make the plot work. And then it turned out to be this bizarre time. And then coincidentally, yes. like all these things Yeah, 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 one. and sort of took over the book, which made its own challenges. Was there, like, somebody that inspired Shirley? Like, is there, there, is there a Shirley? <laughs> that's, a, that's a really good question. No, like, I think I was thinking about this question the other day because the protagonist is in so many ways, like, different from me. She's, like, she's this woman who's gone through this kind of this traumatic past. Like, the, the, basically, her mother has gone overseas and went overseas, uh, like, fled the country when, when the protagonist was like in her like preteens, teens, because uh, of this like media incident um, where she's like been photographed with blood all over this this coat. Um, it's sort of it's hard to explain, but that's like the precipitating event of her past. And I love this the idea of this protagonist who was like had all this kind of strange and sort of melodramatic stuff happening around her. Yeah. But that she would be this very kind of still calm person, and you don't really know if that's because of trauma or because she just is like a still calm person. And I was intrigued by that. Like I wanted to write that sort of character. And I, but but I think that there's always an element of like wish fulfillment when you when you write a protagonist who's different from you. So you sort of like transpose bits of yourself and bits of your ideal self, and then like they become their own character as well. And all that stuff is like a weird vortex. So why Melbourne? Why Melbourne? Yeah, like why why base it here? Why not like literally anywhere else <laughs> in the world or anywhere else in Australia for that matter? Uh, well, so it was this time where everyone was pretty confined to their like five Fair. kilometers. <laughs> that was part of it, and I think so. Like both of my novels are super super specific 
like hyper specific to Melbourne. Okay. And I think that that's because I'm not from here. Like I, I was an Air Force kid and I moved around a lot and I sort of did my teenage years and early 20s in Brisbane and I moved to Melbourne like 15 years ago. So I feel like I live here now. But I think that you, when you're sort of an outsider to a place, you have this, um, you can have this, this fixation on it or attachment to it that is sort of easier to have than if you if it's like the water that you've always grown up swimming in I guess would you say it's a bit like when you when you're so used to some place you kind of like everything becomes boring like dull like everything kind of fades out because I I'm from Singapore and I feel like I've hit my limit like when people ask me where are the good places to eat I have no places (laughs) to give you but if you bring me to Melbourne and you're like, where are the good places to eat? I've got like lists, you know, different ideas because it's a completely different place from where I'm used to. That's super interesting. Yeah. And it's like you pay attention to it in a different way. Yeah. 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 Living in Melbourne is kind of the hyper fixation of what you're writing right now. What are your thoughts on writing about what you like experience, like what you know? That's super interesting. Yeah. I think, I mean... So, so I love the advice to write what you what you know. Like, there's that that really interesting. It's a quote from Neil Gaiman, um, I think, which I haven't thought about in forever. But he says that you know people always told him to write what he knew, and what he knows is dragons, and that's why he writes fantasy fiction. <laughs> and I, I like that. Like, in some ways, like what you know is your direct experience, but it's also things that you read about and think about. And I think basically like the the weird trick is that if you set out to write what you know, you like discover other things about it through the writing of it, right? And test other ideas about it. And so you sort of make it strange to yourself. So I guess did that inspire you to kind of branch out? Because, you know, in your first novel, you wrote about a male perspective. And now you've chosen to write from a female's perspective. Instead, how would, how do you say that all like worked out? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. I think like I my my like reasoning for writing like a female protagonist changed over the course of writing the book. I think that I started writing a female character um because the adversary had been so so male and I sort of see them as fitting together. There was like 9 years together for the two books and 3 years of overlap where I was working on them both at the same time. And so I sort of see her as like a big sister character. Like, not literally, but sort of tonally to the protagonist of The Adversary. And so, like, it was a pretty automatic thing to do, like, to try to explore, like, a female energy after I had explored a male energy. But at the same time, like, the thing that I realized as I was writing her is that there was this female energy underneath the adversary already. And I'm always really interested in, like, what's on the surface of the novel and what's kind of, under, like, you know, simmering underneath it. And it was interesting to kind of pull that out a little bit. Okay, so how would you say that helped you explore identity as a theme? That's a good question. I think, uh, I mean, so I I mean, I, like, I I guess this is kind of strange to say, but I I am male and I feel male and always have. But one of the things I was thinking about when I was writing the book is how much of my, like, my textual life and my sentence life and my paragraph life comes from, uh, from, 
like women writers, I guess, like in so many ways, the ways that I think and organize experience and language, like so different from the way that you actually live in and experience the world. But the way that I write and read the world is in so many ways female. And I think that like explore like my my sense of identity and like what's like the scope of identity is so textual like that's yeah that's kind of a half formed thought that I've never quite said out loud before okay but um yeah I don't know like I think that I was more thinking about it as a story and a character than as an identity Shirley's about this like 30 or something 30 year old woman who yeah. breaks up with her boyfriend because she he wants to experiment with other men yes. it's not exactly like a theme that I've seen get thrown around a lot. I, I know it's like a real world thing that happens and I, I think there are people that go through it. So what inspired you to write about that specific kind of experience? Yeah, well actually like sort of going back to your earlier question about identity and yeah. and gender, like I, the book is probably like the three main characters in the book are three women, right? There's the narrator, there's her mother, there's her neighbor. Uh, and they're like all slightly different generations of female character, um, but it's also full of these bisexual men <laughs> and uh, or like gay to bi to curious men who are sort of all on that spectrum. And I think that one of the reasons that I that I made um, her boyfriend curious about experimenting with men. Uh, and I, like, I think there's maybe one straight male character in the book, and uh -huh. there's like a bunch that are pretty fluid. Was I was thinking about the ways that uh, that like queer men. Oh, like mostly queer men and mostly straight women, largely straight women, sort of build ideas of each other um, and the ways that they apprehend and misapprehend each other. True. And so I, <laughs> I wanted her to like have this kind of fraught relationship with an ex-boyfriend who wanted to sleep with men and, and maybe sleeping with men already. It, there's this weird kind of line in the blurb where it says that like her ex-boyfriend has started sleeping with men. And that's like I realized after we'd written the blurb that that's nowhere in the book. Like you don't know if he's sleeping with men yet or not <laughs> so it's like this strange spoiler that overshoots the book completely confuse your readers i love it <laughs> what is your relationship with the queer community oh that's a that's a big question <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> I, well i like at the moment like at this second in my life i spend like an awful lot of time at home in front of a computer trying to write another book. So I would say that my relationship with the queer community is exactly the same as it is with um, the world community, which is pretty null and pretty pretty, um, pretty barren and empty. Uh, but in general, I'm a member of the queer community. I'm a gay man. Do you think that moving around a lot when you were younger might have impacted how you feel connecting with the community itself? It's Yeah, I think that's an, a, a really... like brought an amazing question um yeah thank you i so I, I was an air force kid and i was i have a, an older sister and brother who are from a previous marriage of my dad's and they're quite a bit older than me and they would come and you know stay with us and live with us for periods but i was largely an only child and an only child who moved around every few years and i've like i can completely spin myself out probably like all of us do when we think about identity like thinking oh how much of my like selfhood is because I was a closeted queer kid who didn't mm. know he was a queer kid and how much of, of it was about being an only child and how much of it was about moving around a lot. Like, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of queer kids sort of have a, like this very private sense of self mm. and, you know, and then that ends up determining the relationship you have to community. Like you always want to connect to community and you also always are very like, um, 
yeah, I don't know, defended about yourself sometimes, or like maybe it's it, it gives you a, str a strong sense of self in some ways and a weak and very like desperate sense of self in others. Um, and I think that that's all like probably the, the sort of question that most people would spend their whole life unraveling in one way or another. That's so true. Um, would you say that this inspired you to turn to writing? Yeah, like... Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know how how you find writing, but it's such a um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, it's a way of ex expressing things, even if you're, even if you think that you're just like telling a story that has nothing to do with yourself. You end up like scouring and excavating bits of yourself that you don't think that you ever would have would have even known were there until you put them into language. Yeah, and that's a that's this like intensely private thing that has like a relationship to an audience when it's done and that's in some ways this very like exposing thing to do and in other ways this very like you know controlled and mediated way of connecting to another person so i think yeah totally there's a relationship there it sounds kind of like therapy i'm not yeah. gonna lie like <laughs> like you're just writing all of your therapy down and you're just like read it everyone in a way yeah like i find it so like some writers are really like writing is not therapy and writing is not an expression it's always about like you're always thinking about the audience and the reader and i kind of think that how could it not be therapy you know in a way what are your opinions on the um, current literature landscape regarding queer representation oh cool uh i mean the the thing that's really good i think for all readers and all queer readers and like you know and i say all readers because ideally it's not just like queer readers reading queer writers and queer characters but you know any reader who's interested in other voices and other lives is that it's more and more like plural and diverse and uh, like not just diverse in terms of like demography, but in terms of like the kinds of queer writing that are done and like whether it's realistic or whether it's like sort of surreal or whether it's, you know, like really tight and stylized and minimal or whether it's like really lavish and strange and, you know, and like a throwback to the kind of thing that was written 200 years ago. I just love that it's not like you have to, you, you kind of go out there and you find like the one queer book. It's, everything is sort of part of a bigger, um, exciting circus, mess, whatever you want to call it. It's a good time to be a reader. How meaningful would you say that this is for, like, queer representation is in literature? Yeah. Well, very. Like, I think, um, I think, I just love the idea that, uh, that if you're, like, if you're a curious reader and you want to, like, I don't know whether you're whether you're sort of intentionally going out and reading something as a as a way of thinking what kind of person will I be or what kind of life will I have or whether you're just kind of absorbing those ideas um, by osmosis the way that we do when we read something uh, you sort of don't know what you're going to find uh, and I think that that just means that as readers like we're more open to chance and more open to broad experiences and broad ways of, of thinking and being. And that, to me, is, again, one of the things that's exciting about just writing and reading full stop. So would you say that queer writers are empowered to break into today's publishing industry? Yeah, I mean, the that's a good question. I think that definitely publishers today are really interested in where writers come from, right? Like, okay. they're interested, like, where are you writing from? Um, are you a queer writer? Um, are you, you know, like, what it, basically, what is your 
you know, what is your perspective and how does that inform the kind of story that you tell? And all kinds of publishers, I think, are really open open to that and really interested in that, which wasn't the case, you know, or 30 years ago. Um, or it would be seen as an impediment to finding an audience, whereas today it's seen as a way of finding an audience. Um, on the other hand, like, publishing is is difficult full stop and whether it's like a moment where publishing is expanding a little bit or whether it's a moment where publishing is contracting a little bit um yeah it's a it's a difficult industry and so based in like chance and circumstance i can imagine i feel like a lot of the art industry is really really hard to break into yeah yes people's fortunes change and you know what they like it's always kind of hard to match up what it is that you want to do as a writer or an artist with what people will read um, or what people will publish. And that seems like a question that changes probably throughout an artist's whole career as well, right? Like, I think that for an artist starting out, uh, it's, um, yeah, it, it's it's immensely challenging. And like I say, based in chance, um, what you know, whether you get published and how you get published. And then the question of what's a sustainable career is different again. So what were some challenges that you faced um, writing and pitching your novels? Yeah, I, well, I tried so, so, so many things before The Adversary was published. Like, I tried, and I, and I was very, like, I was well-connected because I had done lots of freelancing and things like that. Um, so when I had a book, I had lots of publishers I could send it to. And in Australia, we have this kind of beautifully sized publishing industry because it's big enough that it's kind of viable and, you know, it can connect to readers and um, writers can get paid for their work, like not incredibly well, but they can get paid for their work. But it's small enough that you can send things directly to publishers, like some writers have agents and some don't. Um, so I could send a book to, to publishers when I was done with it, but I didn't know what I was doing. Um, and I tried to like, I tried to pitch a biography. I tried to pitch a book of essays. I wrote a full young adult novel okay. um, that an editor was like, are you sure this is, is, number one, this is not very good and we're not going to publish it, but number two, are you sure that you're a young adult writer? <laughs> and I did that over five or six years. And sometimes that's like a complete manuscript. And sometimes it's a just a book proposal, which is still a pretty long thing that you spend a lot of time on. Five years is a long time. Yeah. And I like, yeah. And I think there was like a weird experimental novel that I tried writing that I couldn't get published. And so like the, I think that the main challenge really was just figuring out what I actually wanted to say and how I was going to say it. And even then, when I look back at The Adversary now, like I'm proud of that book, but it's so clear to me and probably to readers that I'm working out what I'm trying to do. So, yeah, I think, I don't know, any art practice, I think it's worth seeing it as an apprenticeship. Like if you if I'm doing it in 30 years time, I still hope that I'm learning stuff and that the evidence and traces of learning as you go and working it out as you go are part of the writing. What would you say makes a good story? What do you think makes a good story? Oh, no. <laughs> no, don't turn this on me. I, I guess, like, for me, I, I really like when stories, like, inspire people mm -hmm. or when they kind of give different perspectives that people can live vicariously through. Yeah. I'm not a big writer, but I do make media and I think that's something that I've wanted to bring across as a creative the ability to give somebody else a new perspective through my work excellent yeah I mean I think that's an ideal like that would that's an amazing thing for a story to do I think um I think that the, the well I'm gonna give you a bad answer is that's that fine. okay <laughs> no answer is a bad answer but it's the but it's the true answer in my opinion it's the different um, I mean, different pieces of art do different things. True. And I think that it's partly about like, 
telling, you know, like setting a, setting a contract or an agreement with a reader at the start and then, like, here's the tricky part, like, either fulfilling it in a satisfying way or, like, subverting and surprising in a satisfying way. And I think that what I love about going into a piece of writing is that, you know, you read the first few paragraphs and you're like, okay, this is, like, this is the agreement. This is the kind of story it's going to be. And you still sort of don't know whether the satisfaction will be in fulfilling it or surprising you. And so... Yeah, I, but but it has to do one or the other. So I think you have lots of options as a writer. And I think that the outcome of that is that it can be like, you know, sharing an experience or inspiring. Um, and I think that that's a pretty ideal scenario. It's not a bad answer. I don't know why you think it's going to be a bad answer. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to say. So I was like protecting you myself. You <laughs> I guess just to end off, um, what are some takeaways that you'd hope for people to have after putting down your novels? Uh, hopefully not just that life is difficult and alienating, which is what like probably the takeaway that my characters have, have at the end of the stories. But I think um, uh, I, th- I, would, I would like them to have a very strong sense of character. I would like them to have... Um, I mean, Shirley's... We, we didn't talk about this, but Shirley has this kind of uh, covert like animal rights sort of storyline that sort of emerges in the last okay. third of it. And like, that's what I mean. I think about like satisfying or surprising, like fulfilling or surprising. And so I really want them to be thinking about that by the time they get to the end of the story. And I maybe want them to think, oh, I didn't didn't know that that's what the story was going to be about. But, you know, I want them to be like, oh, come to think of it, that sort of is what the whole story is about. Um, but that's very specific to that book. Um, yeah, I think a strong sense of character place and then like this wider like this wider theme. Um, and I want them to be kind of thinking, oh, how do those things belong together? Why do they fit together? I sort of would like them to have questions more than answers. So more broadly, what would you say your message would be for anyone who might be struggling with their identity or finding themselves? I mean, one of the things that a piece of art can offer a person is just something like a specific sense of identity. And, you know, whether that's like it probably doesn't match, doesn't doesn't um, map onto exactly what an individual is going through, but I think that that's that's sort of not how relatability works in art. I think that it's about getting a sense of another person, and getting a getting a you know a sense of of their their closeness and their foreignness, and that's you know sort of the way that we all move through the world when we meet real people or when we read art, um, experience art, and so. Yeah, I, I guess I would want them to have a sense that, you know, they 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 have a self and an identity and a place in the world, and so too do others. Um, and that, you know, the the mysteries and the um, and the connections and the misconnections in life um, are just a big part of the life that we all go through.